Hey, welcome back to another episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah, and I have two guests on to join with me today. I'm very excited about uh, having these guys on. Uh, first, I want to introduce Jeffrey, who is the consul for Ordo Fanaticus. And uh, we'll kind of get hi. into that a little bit later, but why don't you say hi to everybody? Hello, everyone. Hello. Nice. And then our second guest is a senator for Ordo Fanaticus, and that's Colton. Colton, say hello to everyone. Hey, guys. What's going on? <laughs> uh, I am so excited to have this conversation. Um, before we hit record, I had mentioned that I, I have known about you guys, and I have, and I have uh, been exposed to you guys uh, locally here, uh, but I've never actually fully participated in um, in what you guys do. And so, um, so maybe, um, um, maybe why don't we kind of get into that, uh, Jeff? If, if I can lead with you, I would love for you to share yeah. about Ordo Fanaticus and your involvement. Yeah. How you got involved and what it is. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. That, that's a, a bunch of, uh, or several different, <laughs> fairly big questions. Oh, yeah. um, but Just run with it, whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. So at its heart, um, Ordo Fanaticus is um, a game club um, in Portland, Oregon. Um, and we are also a forum, uh, kind of the old school website style. Uh, in the pre-Facebook days, if, if we have younger viewers or listeners, um, you know, it, 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 there was a message board, basically. Um, and the other thing that Ordo Fanaticus kind of is, or is central to our identity right now, um, is a clubhouse space um, right in kind of close in Southeast Portland. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, there's kind of layers to each of those. Um, on our like web presence and kind of uh, experience or whatever, you know, we have the forum, we have a Facebook group, we have a Discord, um, none of that's very novel. Um, but we have been around for, for probably at least 15 years. Um, and a lot of the genesis of Ordo as a club was, you know, yeah, back when it got started, there were a lot of kind of local clubs across the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And uh, it kind of was, you know, this vehicle to find ways to play against each other and support different groups in the hobby. Um, so, you know, the, the guys that were here made contact with guys in Tacoma and uh, Everett, Washington. Um, out in Idaho and out in was it Polyup, Washington, um, you know, so there were there were different events um, kind of all over that uh, everybody kind of knew they had this core group of different clubs that would come kind of participate and be involved and build a little bit of rivalry and things like that. Um, mm. That kind of, you know, as a structure, you know, and that's something I think if you listen to podcasts, like in the UK, it's a little more common. Um, I think in America, where everybody potentially has a big garage or whatever, um, you know, it's a little more likely that you can just kind of hunker down with your buddies or, you know, yeah. hobby alone in your basement and, and get people to come hang out and things like that. Yeah, um, that's that's a good it, point. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna I was gonna make that observation. Like like I you know I've been in wargaming for a while and and I yeah. listen to my fair share of podcasts. And when I listen to our UK buddies, a lot of them are talking about a club that they played at or something. And mm -hmm. and I'm like all I've done is garage hammer, right? Playing in my own yep. garage or my buddy's garage and at a local store. I've never participated yep. in club life. So, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I guess also I would say just kind of central to Ordo's identity 
Um, we've always been, um, you know, multi-system as far as gaming wise. We kind of don't care what you play. We've also been kind of the, the same approach to stores. Um, you know, we don't care. You know, we want you to support your local hobby stores and kind of have in the past we've had the tagline of, you know, buy your games there, come play them here. You know, we'll, we'll help you put them together. We'll help you figure out how to paint them, things like that. Um, we've always had a really strong kind of hobby focus and sportsmanship nice. focus. Nice. Um, you know, and that's one of the hallmarks of like traditional order events was, I think we were, you know, we think of ourselves as a really early adopter of requiring, you know, things to be fully painted. Um, yeah. And, you know, occasionally even some tournaments to the point where like, you know, the TO would come around and take those models off the table if they were, if they were still gray plastic. Um, I don't know that we take, you know, that hard of a line necessarily anymore, unless it's like a real big feature event. But um, always have had a lot of folks who are really, you know, more interested in terrain building or kit bashing or resin yeah. casting or, you know, all the kind of weird little um, avenues that this hobby can take you down. I, I can pretty much guarantee I know a member I can point you to if you had questions. Yeah, uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. You were kind of, yeah. um, you were kind of getting kind of uh, digitized on me. And so I just want to repeat. Oh, yeah. Re repeat back so our listeners can hear. Um, it sounds yeah. like um, what I heard is that uh, the club itself is multi-system. There's, you know, you can go to the club and you can play several different games. Um, it sounds like you guys uh, really support the local, um, the local stores, like buy your games there, but you can come here and build and paint and we'll help you do that. Um, and then it sounds like there's a huge focus on, on hobbying. Um, yeah. I think that's great. Um, I love that. Yeah, no, I do too. Yeah, um, it's really one of the things that drew me in, um, and honestly, kind of into the hobby in recent history. Um, I've, I've worked as a, a carpenter um, in kind of some different forms for most of my adult life, uh, and I like had a moment uh, throwing away a bunch of blue foam where I was like, "What can I do with this? I know this doesn't need to be trash," and huh. had that epiphany of like, "Oh, that game I had played in high school, I could make tools out of this." Um, and that was, I think, one of the, the things that started me looking around in Portland for, you know, kind of drew me back into wargaming. Nice. Um, and, and yeah, the terrain collection, I think, has always been a highlight of Ordo. Um, you know, when we throw uh, the biggest event, we throw OFCC, um, which stands for Ordo Fanaticus Club Challenge. Um, but I think we can populate over 50 tables of terrain. Um, and that's all stuff that we have stored. That's great. Um, yeah, been made basically by group effort over over ten and fifteen years. Um, yeah. We haven't in recent, like during pandemic era, we haven't really been doing this. But we used to host monthly bi monthly terrain days, where basically you can come down and hang out and build terrain from the stuff that we have, the materials that we have uh, on hand, or help repair terrain and kind of do some paint touch up, kind of just expand your hobby, your hobby kind of abilities in that way, like um, that. which, you know, hoping to get, get those back on the schedule sometime soon. Nice. And, and so the, the club is an organized club. So Colton, uh, you serve as a Senator. Yes, um, how, how many people sort of, um, what's the leadership team look like at Ordo Fanaticus and what kind of roles do you, do you guys have? Like, what does a Senator do? Uh, right now, we are the uh, basically the action committee for the uh, for the club. We handle the various game nights, 
the various tasks that the club used to handle. So it's a completely volunteer based organization. There's no employees here. Everything is done by passion and with a lot of love. So uh, a lot of things need to be done to maintain a physical space and to get game nights running. Uh, we're the guys who take the trash out. Uh, we're the guys who open the doors. Uh, we're the guys who uh, run the soda stand or who put up these events or whatever, because someone has to do that. Um, nice. And ultimately it goes to the members that have some sort of combination of passion, available time, resources, and and somewhere Venn diagram of all three of those things uh, can be contributing to our, our group. Um, right now, for me, I focus mostly on uh, Warhammer 40K and uh, future events for that. And each senator kind of has a thing that they specialize in, something that they are really passionate about. Maybe they handle the the online communications for the club, or maybe they do the Blood Bowl games, um, uh, something like that. Oh, okay, nice. So so what kind of games get played at Ordo? Yeah, um, we have a, a very extensive board game collection uh, on the shelves at the clubhouse. Um, you know, Agricola is a classic, um, the, that kind of whole line up to Caverna. Um, Terraforming Mars has been a huge hit for going on like two and a half years strong. Nice. Um, that one's on a lot. Yes, it's, it's great. It's really good. Um, Alien Frontiers is another one that uh, I affectionately refer to as spaceship dice because <laughs> your, your, dice, your dice are the spaceships. Um, it's a, a worker placement game that's great. Um, you know, so yeah, we've historically had, you know, if people want to come and just play a board game or like a few people are kind of not, you know, haven't scheduled a 40k game and want to hang out, um, it's not uncommon to just kind of see who's around, see what they want to do and throw a board game together. Um, we've, I think, always had a really strong Warhammer 40k presence. Um, so really pretty much any game night or anytime we're open, there's at least a couple of people interested in playing that. Um, we have a really strong Blood Bowl League and, and collection of guys that have been playing that since the first edition, you know, as high schoolers in like a basement somewhere. Um, and so I think right now we're just starting a Dungeon Bowl League um, nice. and have eight or ten people maybe participating that's, in that. That's, that's the new fantasy like Dungeon Crawl, right? But it's kind of related to Blood Bowl? It, it is a variant of Blood Bowl. Um, that just takes place with, yeah, dungeon tiles. Um, it actually was originally an amalgamation of the Blood Bowl set and the old Hero Quest kind of tiles. Um, oh, yeah. And so you basically, you, you place teleporters throughout the board, um, and you only get to start six of your players on the field. And the treasure chests, or there are six treasure chests with a ball hidden in one of them and bombs hidden in the others. And then, you know... Okay. Mechanics-wise, it plays like a Blood Bowl game. You know, you, you each move all your models and, and try to get the ball into the into the end zone. But it's a little more uh, chaotic and quirky than kind of the hard, hardcore tactical side that Blood Bowl can be. Okay. That sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm um, actually going to be getting a, an elf team, I think, um, cool. or Blood Bowl. So, you know, the, yeah. you know the elves that are, I think, yellow and purple? Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Those, are the, those are ones that yeah. I'm interested in. So I've been eyeballing those yeah. new horn uh, blood bolt models. Mm -hmm. Those are amazing. Yeah. 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 I, have, I have a friend who lives nearby who is uh, very interested in blood bowl and oh, awesome. really wants to introduce me to the game. So yeah, it's a great game. It really is. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, we've, we've had, 
a solid core of Infinity players in the past. Nice. Um, you know, Warhammer, uh, what was it called before it was Age of Sigmar? You know, had a very strong following um, when it existed, and we still have a few people that do kind of Ninth Age and yeah. Kings of War and some of those. Um, I think I've seen people play Saga and Battletech lately. Nice. Um, so, you know, it really kind of kind of runs the gamut. Um, and one of the kind of nice things that, you know, a lot of these games, um, we also played Gaslands a little while, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Awesome. Of that. Um, but one of the nice things is kind of that, like, with as kind of low impact as, you know, having the club space available, having the forum kind of just up and existing, yeah. is that if somebody does, like, if you do have a passion for one of those games, it's a little more niche. Um, oh, speaking of which, I, I run our Necromunda League. Um, <laughs> huge proponent, huge proponent I was hoping you were going to mention that one. <laughs> I yes. forgot about it. Um, yeah, I have a, an absurd Necromunda collection at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you play a game that's a little more niche, um, it's a really easy format and kind of like accessible way to make contact with a few other people. Yeah. Um, either, you know, throwing a post up on the forum, like, hey, I really want to play Saga. I haven't tried it. Has anybody, you know, done it or I really just have a hankering for some battles in Gothic and want to get back into it. Um, you know, and those posts just kind of linger there and hopefully, you know, somebody gets a bite. Um, and then it's easy enough to just say like, well, I'm going to go down to the clubhouse at, on Tuesday. I'm going to take my stuff with me if anybody can show up. Um, and that's kind of how I got started uh, reviving Necromunda was just, I'm just going to keep bringing my stuff. I'll sit and paint or put models together. And if somebody wants a demo, I'll, I'll throw it up. Um, Things like that kind of kind of exist yeah. in the in the space as far as yeah. what games we play. So so personally, is Necromunda your primary game? It is, yeah. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, all those games that you mentioned are games that um, I have played or or am playing. So awesome, you know. So that's that's pretty cool. So how does yeah. like so how does the club work for like the average person? Do you? Is there like a monthly subscription? I guess a month of tuition. Yeah. Um, so um, the, the basics of it, yeah, we do have to pay our rent. Um, so the basics of it are, you know, if you want to, if you show up and you play on a game night, um, the charge is, is currently $5. Um, the first time you come down, it's free. So, uh, and if you ever want to just come down and hang out or just, you know, sit in hobby, like that's no charge. Um, but if you, you know, you play a game, we ask you to pay dues. Um, for people that want to come more frequently, um, we have a Warlord membership that is uh, $30 for the calendar year, um, and that reduces the game night dues to $2. And then we have an Emperor level membership, uh, which is $100 for the calendar year, and that reduces the game night dues to zero. Um, and so if you're attending a lot and you don't ever carry cash, that's a pretty easy sell for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, we also do, you know, punch cards and things like that for the Warlord level, um, $20 for a punch card with 10 punches on it, um, to kind of make it easier than, than carry cash. But that's kind of the basic structures. Typically people, if they're, if they have to bring money, it's either $2 or $5. Okay. Okay. And then, yeah. and then, um, so then so you use that. So it goes in and you, that's how you, you know, keep the lights on. Um, mm -hmm. what happens when you have excess or right, is that where, is that where you, um, Go ahead. It, yeah, it, it goes back into the club and goes back into community building in general. 
Um, you know, that's where terrain purchases have been have been uh, have come from in the past. Um, we also, you know, when like hosting events, um, when we've done OFCC, we do it in like a large hotel space, and so that's typically like a three to five grand deposit. Yeah. Um, so having you know that capital on hand helps us actually throw those events. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we over the years have bought, I don't know, a 10, 15 fat mats um, to have for the tables and for events. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, we always have people trolling for deals and things like that. And so there have occasionally been times where, like, somebody just says, hey, there's a really good, like, big terrain purchase. Uh, the club should do this. You know, and so we end up with a load of, of uh, like, old Hearst, Hearst Arts mold dental plaster that's already cast, things like that. Nice. Um, you know, so just, you know, we have piles of kind of terrain building supplies and things like that that have come from excess club funds. Um and then also, yeah, we, you know, if there's uh, a cause or somebody wants to have an event or, you know, we've been able to do uh, events to fund, you know, local women's shelters and things like that before. Um, we're definitely not like always trying to, to scrape every penny we can or anything like that out of it, that we're always kind of happy to use the space for other purposes uh, yeah. and just, you know, general community building. Um, we have also in the past helped um, send out terrain kits to either, like we've had gamers that were locally active and then moved to Ohio, and mm -hmm. were kind of starting their own game club out there. Um, we were able to kind of pack up a box of some of our older terrain that we were, you know, phasing out of regular use um, and send that to them, as well as to a couple of game stores that had just gotten opened up across the Northwest to just kind of give like some terrain starter packs and things like that. Um, you know, I think that's great. That's really great. Yeah. So, so speaking of events, um, word on the street is that there is a, an event coming up and, um, and I'd love to hear more about it. Um, March 19th, the bridge city crusade first contact. First contact. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear about it. Yeah, so we have a event coming up on that Saturday, starting at 9 a.m., um, hopefully finishing right about 7 p.m. after about a half-hour award show. We're going to be doing uh, three rounds of match play. Um, they're going to be two-and-a-half-hour rounds, so pretty quick games. Um, we're going to – we actually have tickets up for sale right now, both on our website and through BCP. Um, the listing is live as of about an hour ago. There's also the Facebook page where you can uh, make sure to post a, you're, you're coming to that. Or um, it's the kind of the first in a series that we're hoping to do this year. Um, this is something that if uh, we have a lot of success on this one, we'll be repeating kind of on a 60-day cycle or so. Um, one of the things that Jeff had just mentioned was that there's always been a large uh, 40k presence at the club and. Anybody that's into miniatures games that it knows it's a, it's probably one our one of our most dominant gaming systems um, from a uh, player participation and kind of market share perspective. Um, so for a number of years, the club had pretty much been uh, harnessing that, manifesting that in its OFCC event. Um, yep. And I'm sure you know in particular because we've talked about this quite a bit. In the last two years, there's been a quite a bit of a groundswell in 40K's popularity, and it's the general audience getting people kind of into miniatures gaming and yeah. uh, Games Workshop product kind of selling like crazy with COVID, um, and people being home and kind of taking advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, I count myself as one of those that have really pivoted, and I've di I've dived in deeper into 40K recent more recently than I ever had before. 
So. Yeah, yeah, and you're not alone in that. So uh, part of uh, this new year is a lot of new efforts for the club. And one of the things that we can kind of take advantage of is this upswell in popularity. And uh, I guess this is kind of a first steps in kind of maybe trying to, uh, I don't know if formalize is the best word for it, but kind of trying to maybe codify the community. Um, you know, patch play as a format within 40K is uh, extremely popular. Um, but unfortunately, it uh, has a bit of a high barrier to entry. So um, having a group like this who can help with things like painting and the hobby track side of things uh, can really help people kind of get in. So um, some of the things that we'll be doing for this event is hosting a couple hobby prep days beforehand. Um, nice. Yeah, so we have a regular Warhammer 40K uh, night that we do during the week. And uh, that schedule is up on our website. So I'll ask people to go check everything on there and we'll have uh, maybe more dates at it. Uh, we'll see what's going up as we can get more people to volunteer. Um, and, I'll, and I'll have links in the show notes too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. Uh, and uh, during those days, we can help you kind of get there and help you get into uh, the standard that is kind of required to play. Um, one thing if people aren't kind of aware is, uh, and Jeff talked about this a little bit, is uh, there is a painting standard. Uh, typically, three colors isn't quite enough. Uh, <laughs> we kind of expect... Uh, a coherent paint scheme that has um, something pointing towards um, a narrative. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be lore correct, but maybe something that has a concept. Um, as long as you have a collection of models that look good. Um, and that's that's the thing that I just have as a personal standard. Uh, I hear a lot of questions or I see on Facebook groups or whatever people ask like, oh, is proxying this okay? Or, or how does this, you know, could I use these models for this? Um, and I think my, at least my internal answer is always kind of, well, does it look cool? Because that's the easiest way to sell a proxy is if it looks cool and it's co like cohesive and, and people can understand what's going on. Like, yeah, nobody's going to have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I imagine like, so I love this, the concept of a, of a hobby prep event. So for <laughs> someone like myself, I've, I've never participated in a 40 K event before. And right. so, um, like a formal one, you know, uh, uh, there's there's probably like a few barriers in my in my own like <laughs> I have right, and yeah. including yeah. showing up with an army that is you know up to the paint standards, that, that sounds overwhelming, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. a big, that's a, a big barrier for people. Um, yeah. Not to harp on it, but there is a few other ones to uh, kind of address, and one of the biggest ones is just the rule set. It's not an easy game to get your head around, um, yeah. frankly. Um, <clears throat> we've got, at this point, almost three years of rules. Um, so you've got multiple chapter approves, books that are out of date, um, people playing with older 8th edition codexes because that was legal at one point. Um, there is a lot for people to get kind of caught up on on the game if you're interested. Um, yeah. I recommend people checking out websites like Goonhammer. Uh, going to the Warhammer community website and reading that information, but also coming to the clubhouse and sitting down and playing a game with somebody who does this regularly um, because there's no better way to get through that kind of quagmire of hobbying than to do it with a buddy. Yeah. And uh, hobby cooperation is kind of key to this. Yeah. I love it. I love, um, you know, I um, being able to just sit down with someone who has way more experience than I do and, and, you know, and I, I, and I go with a teachable, you know, spirit, like, you know, like I, I want to learn, you know, and, 
And so, and so a lot of times there's, you know, there's rules that, that are very explicit. And then there are like rules that are sort of, you kind of pick them up as you, the more you play, Yeah, like, you know, those, and that's, and that's like, you know, where an experienced person who's been down, down the road a little further than you can, can yeah. really help you. Right. Yeah. If I was going to, if I was going to kind of give this a, a step process, I would say that there's even a third one to talk about. And it's actually exactly what you're mentioning here. And that's the cognitive load of Warhammer yeah. 40k. Yeah. Um, getting used to having to uh, process this information under stress. And that tends to oh, be yeah. the final kind of the final barrier for people to get over uh, when competing. And, and, I, and I'm using the term competing loosely here. I mean, attending a competitive event. Um, yeah. Not everybody that's at a competitive event is competing. There's a lot of us that go to show uh, our painting skills or to show our modeling. There's a lot of people playing with fluffy lists that have no chance of kind of getting into the top five, but they're there to roll dice and have fun and hang out with friends. That's a big section of the people that show up. Yeah. Matter of fact, they're kind of the favorite people of everybody at the club. Nobody is really um, enamored with the idea of being a cheesy, hardcore, you know, take uh, take everybody's joy away from the game player. Most people are looking to uh, have a shared experience. Yeah. And uh, if you come with that type of mindset, getting those first three things taken care of beforehand can then ensure that you're having a good time. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a, a really good perspective. And and I think it helps also one of I think one of the biggest conflicts in wargaming is expectations um, and that, that people have whether whether they're explicit about sharing them or or not. But people go with a set of expectations and if they get on and they're not met, then, you know, they come away with disappointment. Absolutely. And and so and so if you can do your best to be prepared for something. That not only ensures that, that you are going to have a positive experience, but also the people that you play uh, every round, they're going to have a positive experience playing you because exactly. you, you did the best you could to to show up that day. Yeah. So assuming everyone else also holds that ethos, yeah. it's going to be a glorious day, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I've coached new people, the principal um, idea that I'm trying to instill, at least in the first few lessons, besides that it's not an intimidating system and that you can kind of get into this, and besides the hobby confidence portion of it, the yeah. mentality that I'm trying to instill is that you are here in the service of your opponent from a narrative's perspective. They're here to have a gaming experience with their favorite models, and they want to smash up the bad guy or the good guy or whatever thing that drives them narratively to go forward. Every one of us um, got into this for a reason, and the majority of us got into it for a reason that has something to do with your love of the imagery. Either the box art, the lore, the ideas behind it, something like that yeah. attracted you. And giving somebody an experience that's in line with that goal set will guarantee that you've made a friend. Um, and having that communal experience lends to a general positive experience for everybody. And so when I try to talk to new people about getting into this game, I talk about uh, coming with your stuff done. You know, you don't have to paint everything up to a high standard, but let's get to the basing. Let's get to getting the guns on. Let's get the arms glued on. Let's get the head facing the right way, standing straight, put them in a pose, put a little effort behind it. It doesn't have to be expert level. It doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't even have to be done right. Um, but if it's done with uh, uh, an eye towards passion and, and appreciation and and, uh, and towards uh, the greater experience of you and your opponent, you're going to have a good time because the other person's having a good time. Um, 
emotions are infectious. Um, and when you make sure to consider the other person's uh, enjoyment, they will kind of vibrate that back to you, whether or not they mean to yeah. or not. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So the 19th is the event. And the plan is for uh, three rounds. Um, you mentioned it was match play, um, but you did mention the points. How many points do we need to come with on that day? Uh, 2,000 points. So we're going to be doing full match play rules. Okay. And two and a half hour rounds, which means we're playing on the clock. Correct. And, yeah. As a as a War Machine player, um, you know, I used to play War Machine and and I still, still would if there wasn't a pandemic, I suppose. Um, I'm used to playing on yeah. the clock and... And I actually really like that. And and so playing under pressure is not, not, not bothersome. Yeah. Uh, but how does it work for 40K? So in in Warhammer, we each get, you know, an hour. So with a two and a half hour round, does that mean we each get an hour and 15 minutes or? Uh, there's a clock and it's a rotating amount of time going back and forth between the players. Right. Although in this event, we are not requiring a clock. So for this event, it's between oh, okay. you and the other player to get through your two and a half hours constructively. Okay. This one, in this first event, we're not going to be adding that level of stringency. Um, uh, the, the, the clock expectation tends to be a little too much for a barrier of entry. And I've found that that one tends to be that last thing that people can't really get over. That tends to be something that you can put into the play space after a few get togethers. Yeah. A lot of players will play with a clock anyways. I know I do. I play on, with a clock when I play on uh, TTS um, just yeah. to kind of get myself in that chops. Um, and also to make sure that I'm, again, making sure my opponent's having a good time because I don't want to be taking too much time. It helps keep yeah. me on track. Um, but for this event, we won't be requiring it. Okay, okay. And and so and I like that because it falls in line with sort of your greater vision for the region exactly. of, of setting up a series of events. Yeah. And you know, and for a lot of us, you know, coming out of pandemic, right? We haven't we haven't been around humans yeah. necessarily. You know, certainly <laughs> certainly yeah. not in this capacity, right? Yeah. Not in this capacity, and so um, and so being able to ease our way into it that sounds great so yeah this yeah. is uh we're doing this as close to uh normal that the world has been in a while yeah. and uh that doesn't mean that we're not going to be responsible but uh it feels right to give it a shot at least yeah. um and the majority of our attendees have been uh really cool um every time i'm at the clubhouse people that walk in the door are really respectful um they pay attention to the rules and uh, as long as we fire uh kind of do the standard thing that everybody's been doing for the last few years we're all pretty well practiced at it and i think we're gonna go through yeah. it okay where's uh where's the event at at the clubhouse at the even yeah. at the clubhouse? Yep. that's even cooler yeah okay. that's right on the thing that that just occurred to me that uh, we didn't touch on either was uh, kind of what the clubhouse space is or, or, yeah. or what that, what it means when we say that. Um, so if I can just real quickly, absolutely. Um, the way that I have, I've always kind of phrased it is uh, we have um, a space that is basically a weird attic above a strip mall built in the seventies. Um, <laughs> so 717 Southeast main street, um, it's right between what Belmont and Hawthorne off seven. Um, and it's right across the street from the White Owl, if you happen to know that bar. Um, but basically, there's, you know, a, a nondescript kind of doorway on the side of the building that when you open it, uh, 
looks kind of like a murder staircase. Mm -hmm. uh, an old wooden staircase that leads up the door. Um, but if you, you know, go up the staircase and turn the corner, you'll start seeing a bunch of um, very minted Warhammer posters and old, like, different wargaming kind of paraphernalia. Um, and there's basically um, maybe five kind of small rooms that are mostly windows into the center of the space. There aren't a ton of windows to the outside. Um, and uh, we have tables set up in, in what, three, four of the rooms. Um, and it's all a little, you know, dingy and cramped. Um, it's a lot like, yeah, somebody's parents' basement or something like that. It has kind of that <laughs> feel. Um, I would love, of course, to, you know, paint it and things like that. But uh, it's, a, it's a, a shared space, actually, that we share with a, a wargaming club that has been there since the 70s. Um, Western Oregon Wargamers, you'll also sometimes hear the clubhouse called WOW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Western Oregon Wargamers still takes place, or still does events in that clubhouse space. Um, I think Friday nights, they typically are in there. Um, and they play a lot of, you know, old historical games and some D&D &D and different things. Um, but we have shared the space with them for the last 10, 15 years. Um, and so basically, we have our nights, they have their nights. Um, okay. And uh, when you first enter, is kind of the space that we inhabit um, in there. Um, yeah, does that, does that do it justice, Colton? That's about it. Yeah, no, I like it. I would I would describe going to the the place a lot like uh, going to your buddy who converted a small area of the garage into like a hangout spot, mm -hmm. like the place where you go sit on a couch in the garage. Like that's that's pretty much the clubhouse, uh, but uh, geared towards gaming basically instead of like you know cars and tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it does it does get uh, very cold in the winters and beastly hot in the peak of summers but uh you know march is is great weather in portland obviously uh, <laughs> and we do our best when we do have weather issues yeah right. yeah um okay. the event this for this round and probably for the next round will be at the clubhouse um unless we just you know the people are knocking at the doors we just really can't fit the space yeah. um uh the goal is is to allow this to be kind of the regular series for portland um Competitive 40K does not have a consistent representation. It's had basically sporadic representation in the area. Um, uh, if you go back and kind of look at the Google searches for Portland and you type in Portland Warhammer and competitive in some form, you go back over 20 years, um, basically every five years, somebody kind of steps up and, and does the thing. And depending on the success, it may happen again, but it never really happens more than twice. Um, uh, the last entity to really kind of be the beacon for that in our area was Guardian Games. Um, and they're yeah. not really doing that anymore. Um, and so this, in a lot of ways, is a response to that, plus the increased popularity of the hobby in general. Um, and also Ordo, um, as a, a group, wanting to kind of, like I said before, codify this portion of themselves and uh, try to maybe harness some of that membership um to put on more events and to kind of get more the the community more aware of us and get the community more aware of gaming in general yeah boy i like that i can get behind that big in a big way yeah yeah and and to a to a larger vision you know if this is wildly successful and we have people uh coming and getting involved in the club but who then say like well i'd rather like do something a little more narrative or something like um we have a space that's available and i would love to you know, I, I, I would love envision a future where uh, there's a 40K event one weekend and then the next
that another weekend and a, yeah. you know, like whatever system you want. Like if they're, you know, we, a tournament every weekend or a narrative event um, or even just social, you know, event days, um, using that space in as many ways as possible is definitely um, something we, we can do. But, yeah. um, you know, it takes, takes people getting involved and, and wanting to make it happen. And so Colton yeah. driving um, this event and making, you know, having a vision of what a way to engage with the community and, and make sure we're touching base with, with people that are out there. Uh, yeah. Is really yeah, kind of the first step of that. One of the, uh, one of the more fascinating things about the Portland area um, that I think really maybe stands out um, as uh, a character is our uh, propensity to be obsessive in our hobbies. Um, people here are really into whatever they do. If they're into hiking, they're really into hiking. If they're into biking, they're really into biking. They go all the way in it. And uh, that is, carries over into the hobby space. The yeah. amount of people in this area that you would call quote-unquote hardcore or uh, passion gamers is staggering. Uh, more, I would say more than 500 people in this city. Um, I would categorize as a hardcore painting more than 20 hours a week, spending more than a thousand dollars a month, real miniature gamer, but it's spread out over, you know, from Forest Grove to Gresham to Vancouver yeah. and such. So there needs to be a way of giving them uh, a place to meet, a place to do things and a place to express all that, that, that effort. And that kind of points towards that. I like that. And, and Ordo is kind of central. Yeah. Like yeah. Anybody can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would that's... say every every surrounding area has about 30 or 40 people. I mean, you know, that's true for you know Hillsboro. Yeah. Same yeah. would be true for Beaverton. And uh, you take the 10 or 15 surrounding areas and you realize, like, oh, no, there's a giant player population here. Yeah. I like that. Um, uh, I have a. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing that we we kind of know and the, the people that have been involved in Ordo for a long time know is that Portland does have a bear like constantly has people moving in um, and so really like we kind of noticed like every five years we need to reintroduce ourselves completely that like you know there's a, there's a whole new crowd of gamers who have, you know if they haven't needed to look for it haven't found and don't know what's going on or what's what's available um, so there's you know that constant kind of churn of people coming to the area. Um, there's kind of a constant like need to re-engage and keep keep yeah. uh, just putting yourself out there and making touching base with people. Yeah. Like that's sort of a, a good mission for a console. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, earlier in our conversation, you had mentioned the OFCC, um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to know: is there plans for that to come back? Is it is it part of this bigger vision that's that you guys are kind of casting? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there are definitely plans for it to come back. Um, at the moment, there are no firm plans for anything this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and part of the, the reasoning behind that is just that it, it literally does kind of take a year to plan um, to make a commitment to a big event space, wrangle um, our head of gaming for all the different games that are going to happen. Um, and just you know, the, we canceled in 2020. Um, we had had the event live, sold tickets, and, you know, made the call to just refund everybody's tickets, yeah. canceled the event. Um, we were able to get our deposit back from the hotel. Um, and then kind of into 2021, it just didn't feel secure enough. 
um, particularly when, when kind of historically from a volunteer labor perspective, um, the, you know, looking at the resources I have for the club, um, throwing a big event like that takes the bulk of my volunteer capital, basically, that <laughs> if everybody is getting involved in helping make that happen. Um, it kind of taps our ability to do other things or have other focuses. Um, so, you know, it's re-expanding or re-figuring out how to use the passion that we have right now when it has seemed like, you know, a risky move to try try and throw a large event. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we're, you know, nice and confident that we can throw an event that is both successful and safe, I do think we'll, we'll want to be doing uh, NOFCC again for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we yeah, should highlight kind of is what, just, what form it takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one ahead, of the things that we should distinguish uh, is you know kind of what OFC OFCC is in difference to this event. You know, uh, through the Crusade mm -hmm. event, um, OFCC is a United Gaming event. So there's all the game systems that the that we've kind of talked about today. Uh, yeah. typically have a representation so that requires um you know for me to do the 40k and then another person to do aos and then another person to do infinity so that cooperation um is just difficult to do right now um some people like he was saying our head of gaming is you know somebody that's in lockdown um and that's still a reality for people you know people with compromised immune systems or, or people that are dealing with you know different things in their life and uh the world isn't quite there yet um for right now for us that are able to uh, attend um you know the various you know bars that have opened and a few concerts that have started you know those of us who are venturing out in the world um that's what this event facilitates you know ofcc is the greater important representation um it's the big event it's the big show and, and right now it just doesn't and even right. pacific yeah 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 that's uh, good to know that's good to know great well um i'm excited and um great. and i'm excited to hear about um how the event goes on the 19th uh, bridge city crusade first contact and i just want to wish you guys well on that thank you uh, one of the things i always do before um and i didn't tell you this before i hit record so i apologize <laughs> but, um, but before we end our episodes i always like to ask uh you know what is on your hobby desk right now like Ooh. what are you personally working on and would love to love to hear kind of what's that what's out there i'll let a, i'll let jeff go first because you know my answer is long <laughs> i do yeah um i have a vansar gang for necromunda that is pretty much fully modeled up um, and so i'm like starting the painting stage of that and i've just kind of got uh, got them based out at the moment um and dealing with some of like models on flight stands and things like that. So I've had to do the priming and kind of batches and sub assemblies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then I have recently been running, I have, I have a little um, domestic laser cutter. Um, so I've been running that pretty furiously and I have a, uh, an elevated train track system because <laughs> that I've, I've been working on um, for the video. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Um, looks so good. Yeah. So I've got, basically I've got, kind of like a little S-curve that can go all the way across the tabletop uh, board cut already. Um, and a couple, you know, so that's kind of with my like Necromunda focus. Um, I've been doing a bunch of terrain stuff lately um, and really have a, a goal of uh, putting together a board that has like a, a zero level and a plus six inch level and a plus 12 inch level um, with, you know, scattered terrain in between it and kind of really fleshing that out. So uh those are the couple things i think that i'm i'm most working on right now and 
uh, there's always a handful of things that I'm also working on, but uh, <laughs> not super focused yet. Yeah. When we get to my turn, I'm more like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what about you, Colton? What are you working on right now? Oh, uh, professionally or personally? Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Well, for myself, um, I, I am spending most of my time between getting my thousand sons and death guard army to a place where I like it, nice. um, which is a lot of tedium. Um, and I've been spending most of this week, uh, getting the death guard kind of modeled up into a place that I was kind of proud of. Um, I, uh, wanted to have it kind of ready for the tournament should a, a player not be able to attend um and i need to step up as an alternative i didn't want to do it with gray plastic i wanted to make sure to kind of follow my own hobby uh hobby criteria so i have that to paint for the tournament um plus um i'm kind of anticipating that big world eaters release later this year so i've been scrounging up all my various world eater conversions and bits and kind of getting all the chain axes in one place and getting ready for that right on right on I'm a, uh, I'm a pretty slow hobbyist, and and I'm also pretty ADD in terms of what I work on and, and things like that. And so, like for example, I've got a unit of uh, of little trucks for Monster Apocalypse uh, that I put the base coat on, but I haven't uh, finished them yet, and they're just still sitting on my hobby desk, right? <laughs> and 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 meanwhile, um, you know, last year I had uh, ventured into some Imperial Knights and i uh, still haven't finished them right and like i got a uh, golden put down a, a great base layer but i haven't like finished them you know yeah. and, and uh that's because because very soon after that i got distracted by some eldar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which which is terrible because now new eldar is coming out oh yeah you know here, just, yeah how do you I feel am, about how do you like the new avatar uh yeah the, from the new box the eldritch omens box no no the, the big avatar the the avatar oh, game oh yeah i saw the pick of that um yeah yeah uh i was i got distracted it was autark um no he looks amazing he looks yeah. really good but yeah. i don't know um so but here's here's my problem though uh and this is my my total confession and i uh actually did a whole episode on this uh that it never got posted and so my listeners will be hearing this for the first time even though I intended to share it with him a couple weeks ago, I subscribed to the Imperium magazine. Ah. And so I got issue one, two, and three delivered this week. And, and so my goal, my personal hobby goal is to actually keep up with the magazine as it gets. That's going to be a tough wow. one, buddy. That's oh my one. goodness. So yeah. yeah. And so, and, and that, and that throws off all my previous plans for all my previous like stuff because because now this is guaranteed coming in and yep. you know and so um but we'll see and hopefully in a year and a half or whenever the subscription ends i'll have a necron army and a you know space yeah. army yeah. so but um but i was really excited about it um because i, I like getting mail <laughs> and yeah. i mean that's true and but then also you know we do a lot of things by subscription here in our house like we get our toilet paper on subscription. We get our house cleaning supplies on subscription. So, like, you just kind of fix it and forget it, right? Yep. So automatically, new hobby stuff's coming in, and and it just like and it just felt like awesome, and yeah. you know, and plus there's terrain in this subscription, and yeah. which is something that I don't have a lot of, and so and you know, we just had a whole conversation about 
the effort that it takes to put together a beautiful table, yeah. right? And and so, so you know, I continue to play Garage Hammer, and so um, you know, I got tables set up for that and stuff. But anyway, so that's that's what's on my hobby desk now. Well, here's so. the great thing about that is uh, once you get enough of that stuff in one place, and you have a few projects, you can come down to the clubhouse, and we can show you how to knock them all out real quickly. I like that. That's a good sell there, Colton. Mm -hmm. like <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna have to. Uh, I might I might have to. Uh, divert some of my hobby energy to finish those knights because that's the closest I have to a 2000 point army. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, because it, you know, I think it would be fun to participate in the Bridge City event. Yeah. So I have to look and see kind of where, where my life is on the 19th. But. Well, and as a, a little life hack for you, buying a ticket to an event is a great way to make sure you have to finish an army. There you yep. go. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I personally work better when I have a deadline looming. So yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. That is a good call. And and well, uh, the, yeah. the the pre-tournament rush is a hobby tradition for in this in this yeah. scene. So going through that life experience, it's stressful while it happens, but when you look back on it, you realize that you just knocked out something that you never thought you were able to do in a ridiculously short amount of time. Yeah. And it feels good to get it off the checklist, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, this was a, a great conversation. Um, I was really glad to have you on, the both of you. Um, and and you know, and if and if if you liked it, maybe we can do it again. You yeah. know, uh, again, because there's so many things about the hobby that are worth talking about. And I love supporting the Absolutely. local scene. You know, the Pacific Northwest is a great place to meet people in the hobby and stuff. So, uh, for everyone listening. Um, I'm going to have some links in the show notes. And so, so you can get directly to the event and to Ordo and, and whatnot. And, um, and then you can find everything at spellstormmanagers.com. And I'll get that episode up uh, this weekend. So Sounds very good. good. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank, thank you so much. much. Thank you.